Well, well, Suns fans, that was fun, wasn't it? A nice little mid-morning to early afternoon affair between the Suns and the Charlotte Hornets ultimately sees your Phoenix Suns winning by four points over the Horny Hornets and finishing a road trip three and one. It's time to bring them back to Phoenix. It's time to bring Matthew Lissy back to the podcast. Matthew, Matthew, you're looking healthy. We miss you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sunzi, he did a really, really good job. I'm so happy for him to come in and fill in on a such a late notice, right? When I get those headaches. Yes. So it sucked being out, but he did a, you guys did a tremendous job last podcast. You held it down for me. Well, thank you. And I'm glad that you're healthy and happy and back joining us for the Suns Jam Session podcast. Plenty to talk about on this edition of the podcast as the Suns ultimately pull out a victory. Man, that was. <sighs> That would, that was a tough one, man. That was tough. You know, I mean, Charlotte, a lot of people know, like, even with LaMelo Ball out, this team is fighting every game. They're fourth in the East. I know the East, like, the, the records don't, they're not as great as the West, but this team fights every every game. So I'm not surprised by the outcome. I am surprised by the Suns' mishaps and turnovers. But other than that, I, I'm not surprised by this Hornets team at all. Yeah, they definitely have fight, grit, uh, funny looking uniforms. They look like a stick of gum out there. And it's a team that is going to be even, you know, without LaMelo ball, they have talent and every team in the NBA does. And the moment that you don't remember that is the moment they're going to come up and bite you and remind you of that. So uh, plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. A reminder to everybody who is joining us to please subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. We did get some reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts. So I'm actually going to read some of the Jamsters' reviews a little bit later in the show. So thank you for doing that. Give us a five-star review via Apple Podcasts. If you're watching along live on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network, I mean YouTube, <laughs> go ahead and subscribe. <laughs> Hit the thumbs up button. We appreciate it. We're like 30 shy of a 1,000. So thank you, Jamsters, for joining us and supporting the podcast. We truly appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter, at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Phoenix Fans app at Suns Jam. So with all that said, it's time to pop open a beer and talk about the Phoenix Suns. But I'm not. I'm just going to have a Starbucks coffee. because. Oh, I got a coffee too, man. Coffee. Oh, what'd, you, what'd you get? Just a regular coffee. Can't do the espresso anymore. It gives me headaches. Well, <laughs> as we found out Friday. Yeah, as we found out Friday. <laughs> and it's called espresso, not e- espresso. So. Oh, I, did, I said espresso big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. We'll review that one. I have a... Uh, uh, grande iced coffee, no classic with soy because I oh, hate my life. So, looks good. What? Cheer, okay. Cheers, Suns fans. <laughs> Let's talk about this win over the Charlotte Hornets, man. So the Phoenix Suns end their road trip with a victory in Charlotte and go three and one on the road trip. And now they are one and three in overtime as this was our first victory in the extra period on a nice Sunday morning slash early afternoon affair. Uh, the Suns 101, the Horny Hornets seven or, or 97. So, Matthew, I guess the first question I got to ask you as we look at this game in its totality is it was Buzz City versus the Valley. How yeah. many people in Charlotte do you think actually call it Buzz City? Uh, it must be a thing there. I mean, when they first came out with the uniforms, I think it was last year when they first did the Buzz City thing. A lot of people were like, what the hell is going on? What is Buzz? Of course, Buzz City with the Hornets. It kind of makes sense, but I don't think a lot of people call it that. That must be some kind of slogan they just threw in there a year ago. Because when you land in uh, Charlotte, I don't think everyone's like, oh, we're in Buzz City now. Yeah, like, I've made go, it. Let's go get it. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing this weekend, man? Ah, oh, my, my, my sister's having a wedding. Where's that? Oh, Buzz City. You're, oh, Charlotte. Yeah, I know that yeah. place. Whereas like the Valley, there's two places that I know of, at least in America, that go by the Valley. There's obviously the Valley of the Sun. Phoenix, Arizona, and the San Fernando Valley, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. So that makes sense, the Valley. I just I yeah. thought it was funny how they call it Buzz City, and I don't really know if that's necessarily something that uh, the Charlotte people actually call their city. But I uh, thought I'd bring that up. Um, so here we go. Successful, yeah. as, uh, as Johnny says in the chat, successful four-game road trip. And yes, it is. At the end of the yes. day, the Suns, three and one, now have the best road record in the league, 16 and six. And with this win, they 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 don't lose 
uh, game to the Clippers. The Clippers won last night. We were half game up on the Clippers entering this game. So a loss obviously would have propelled them to the top of the Pacific division. So what's your initial takeaway from this game? Um, well, this whole road trip in itself, you we always keep saying these should be blowout wins. And I think that's something the Suns fans should stop expecting because a lot of these teams, especially in the East, they're actually tougher than they look, especially when you have the expanded playoffs this year. A lot of these teams are fighting for the playoffs. So it might be a team looking on the outside, like 11th seed or 12th seed. They still have a chance maybe. But of course, the Hornets are the fourth seed right now in the East. None of these games are going to be easy. I'm not looking forward to blowouts. This is the first time where we played a lesser team, and I'm just like, oh, the Suns should blow them out. In the past, I used to say that. Now it's just like this is going to be a tough win for the Suns because it's usually going to come down to like the last five minutes of the game because it looked like the Suns, they had it in hand a lot. But I just I don't get too into that now. I know these other teams can come back and fight back. And a lot of it, too, is the Suns' issues of turning the ball over giving up offensive rebounds in this game. That's kind of something that's peeking its head out again. You know, it was something earlier in the year where we had to kind of assess, like, what's going to happen with DeAndre when he's out of the game with the boards? And we're seeing that again kind of now. Even with Aiden in the game, we're having trouble. Turnovers is especially terrible. But watching this game where we're talking about before the pod, it's like the turnovers towards the end of the game where it's crucial moments in the game. We're just turning the ball over. Booker's just throwing the ball away and yelling at nobody. Those are things that we have to worry about going into late in the year, which we are right now, and into the playoffs because that's going to be like every playoff game. So to sure that stuff up is something the Suns really need to focus on. Well, I really hope that Monty Williams takes this opportunity on the flight home from uh, Buzz City to the Valley and take a look at some of the film over the last four games, especially the last three games, including this one. The way that the Suns have played in the fourth quarter has been obviously less than optimal. They had 14 points in the fourth quarter tonight, 14 yeah. points. And if you look at the last two games coming into this, they were last in the league with a total of 20.5 points per game, last in the league in fourth quarter field goal percentage with 31.4%, and last in the league in fourth quarter three-point percentage, 21.4%, entering tonight. And then tonight, obviously, another really bad fourth quarter. The, scene, the, the team goes two for 10 from downtown in the fourth, four for 16 overall, and had two points in the last six minutes of the game. Okay, the 14-2 run to end the game for Charlotte with an opportunity to win, which they missed the three-pointer. So we notice a lot of the, the old tropes, if you will, that Phoenix Suns basketball in, that had, you know, with, with Devin Booker at the end of the game is going into Booker ball ISO mode. That's what we start. We're starting to see a lot of that again, rear its ugly head. And I tweeted it out via the Suns Jam Session Twitter account. I'm like, for the love of God, stop going into ISO mode. Start running some PR with Aiden. Good things happen off of the pick and roll. There's so many more options than just than ISO and Booker and hoping he gets a foul call. Because that's what the Suns have been doing about the last three games. Is there, you know, think about this. So many games have been won for this Phoenix Suns team, you know, 31 of them now. But how many of them are in in crunch time? Recently, we've been blowing teams out. If you go back and look at some of the results, the, the team's winning by nine points, 14 points, seven points. It's none of these games where they really have to fight tooth and nail in the last three or four minutes. These last three games have had those opportunities for the Suns, and they've gone back to those old trends, Matthew, and I don't like to see that. No, I don't like to see it either. And there's one thing that they kind of shy away from. Aiton, he's so efficient still, right? I mean, every time he actually gets the ball like he did in the first half, he he's unstoppable a lot of the times. And he did miss a big layup later in the game that probably would have put the game away, put them up by 10. True. But other than that, it's like, yeah, you're right. For some reason, Booker and Paul will step back and have the ISO game. They're like, no, 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 no picks. I want to take this one on my own. Sometimes they get the call, sometimes they don't. But I don't think the Suns realize they have Aiden and Mikel Bridges who can help them offensively. And I think they can they can make big shots for them. You saw Mikel Bridges tonight in the overtime make that big three. Then he took the ball to the rim. And it's really easy for him to do this. He glides over these defenders like it's nothing. He did miss a shot and he did get pushed from behind. Mm-hmm. But that's like the first time you've seen him do that in crunch time. I want to see more of that. Get these guys more involved because they're great shooters. They're efficient around the rim. Why not run the pick and roll with them? I think Mikhail Bridges, the pick and roll, that's something later on he can learn because it's right now it's too late. Maybe next year that can be something he can run with Booker um, or Chris Paul. But right now the Suns need to really focus on 
stop doing the ISO game. I know Booker's our superstar. Sometimes yes. it works, but most of the time it just it gets this team into a funk. And it, it gets into a funk where they don't know where to pass. It. Everyone's standing around because if you're playing the ISO game, the other players are just going to stand there and watch. Mm -hmm. They need to be moving, and these guys can move. They can cut. They need to do more of that. Give Mikhail Bridges and Aiton more involved late in the games. I don't see why you just don't do that. Yeah, I really don't either because there's so much more opportunity to, you know, as you mentioned, generate offense. If you're moving, if you're screening, if you're trying to create mismatches, essentially what they do is they go into James Harden mode where they're like, okay, we're going to run a high screen just to get a mismatch that we want. Then we're just going to ISO it for 14 seconds. And then if, yeah, if the defense collapses when either CP3 or Devin Booker take a run at the basket, everybody's just standing there. There's nobody moving. They're all watching the play like, oh, this is going to yeah. be a good play. You know, it's almost like the Suns are playing for that that nail in the coffin highlight versus trying to win the game. Now, granted, after everything's said and done, and this is a bad, this was a bad game for the Suns. Let's let's make no doubts about it. We scored 101 points, and that included an overtime. So there's definitely things that we're going to go through and we're going to look statistically, and the Suns didn't have a good game. But again, just like when we played the Toronto Raptors two nights ago, we still won the game. So that there are obviously a lot of positives. These are games that the Suns in the past historically would easily lose. We would let one guy get hot, go crazy, and beat us. And we would all just kind of hang our heads, uh, you know, walk into our closet, turn off the light, and shut it, and just hang out in there for like 20 minutes because you're just so sad and upset. So, again, we did win the game. But you look at this. Do you know what the most surprising statistic is for me for the game? And this, there's a lot of surprising statistics in this game. Take a guess. Take one guess. Um, offensive rebounds. Offensive. I'm going to be wrong. Well, yeah, that, that that was wrong. I will look at offensive rebounds, though. The Suns <laughs> did offensively out-rebound the, the Hornets 21-16. to 16. Mm -hmm. So you had Jay Crowder went 0 for 9, right? And all of those were, for, were from deep. You had Cam Johnson go 0 for 6, and all of those were for deep. So Cameron Johnson and Jay Crowder combined were 0 for 15. What do you think about that? Yeah. And know, know that that's not the statistic that surprises me. But what do you think about that? Well, I think sometimes we can let Jay Crowder get away with this because he does so much more for the team. That one three, though, towards the end of the fourth quarter, that was an air ball. That was yeah. nasty. That should not have been attempted. But a lot of the times, we're not at that point yet, I think, to where we're so mad at Jay Crowder for going 0 for 6 from the field because he does so much more for the team, I think. And especially getting, you know, he's the glue guy. He's the guy that will get the team pumped up. That little confrontation he had with Miles Bridges, that's something that, like, you know, it, it kind of actually went the Hornets' way on that. But I just like what he does on the floor other than shooting the three. So he's going to 0 for 6. That's fine. Cam Johnson, when he comes back, this is his third game, right? Uh, mm -hmm. After shooting pretty well from three, you know, he was trying to get back into game form after missing so many games that he he had two good games from three. This game was not very well, but the shot attempts he was shooting didn't make any sense. A lot of them were from way behind the arc. Yeah. A couple of, one of them, he put the ball down, thought he had time, and then shot the ball with a defender running at him. So those are things it's like, what are you kind of doing here? You know, he's he's not getting to the rim like he was before pre-COVID. So I think he's just getting his feet underneath him. So two good games in a row from him, which we always expect Cam Johnson to have the one out of three games where he can really knock down threes. So it's kind of excusable from these guys because they're not always going to be solid from three. So I'm not too mad about it, honestly. Yeah, I think Jay Crowder, you know, you just feel bad because he ended up with four assists and one very sexy assist to DeAndre Ayton in this yes, game that led to that a dunk. Nice. That was that was yeah. beautiful. Just a touch pass, bounce pass was fantastic. And he also had eight boards in this game. Um, so, you know, the, the 0 for 9 obviously is frustrating, and this is going to happen with Jay Crowder. And, you know, he is essentially your fifth scoring option on offense from your starter. So you're not relying on him to, to get you all the points. But, you know, you hit one of those threes, and this game isn't even uh, – we're not even having this discussion. Yeah. Uh, but – but I'll give a shout out to one of the jamsters in the chat who who sees it. Uh, Joe Slater, Chris Paul's lack of assists is a thing yeah. that is the most surprising statistic today. One assist for the point god. One. <laughs> five for 16 from the field for 16 points, so inefficient. One for five from downtown. He did go five for six from the free throw line, so he was forcing the issue and did have the most free throw attempts for the Phoenix Suns. But two rebounds, one assist, and two steals. I mean... That surprises the crud out of me. I mean, this is a team that prides itself on ball movement. Both of these teams, they're both, you know, two of the higher teams in the league relative to uh, assist ratios and things of that nature. You look at the total uh, made field goals for the Phoenix Suns. They had 34, only 17 assists in this game. 
And that's yeah. something that really surprises me when you look at the Phoenix Suns, uh, especially considering, you know, that, that that's their bread and butter, man. Yeah, it is, especially for Chris Paul. He came out such a great game last game with almost a triple-double. So, again, it's like it's it's excusable to have a day off, especially for Chris Paul, who won't take the day off, but is still in there fighting with his team. So if he has a day off where he's only throwing up the two or the one assist, I'm okay with it. And a lot of it, too, has to go with the three-point shooting, right? I mean, 20% from downtown. A lot yeah. of those passes he's going to make to those guys who are actually open. A lot of good looks tonight. They just would not go down. Um so I, I'm not too upset about Chris Paul have, not having his way on the assist total. It's fine. I mean, he did have some bad turnovers towards the end, like a lot of the players yes. did. But other than that, he he basically he kind of carried the team through a few stretches, still scoring the ball. But he just had an off game tonight, and that's that's one of the things you you have these players that are they're playoff players. Like they've been they've been through the grind. They know what they're doing. They're going to have these off nights, so it's excusable to have it. But it, I mean, it can't last you long because you know next game he's going to come back. And he's going to put up those assist totals we're, we're used to. He's going to have like 9, 10, or 11 assists next game. And it's really up to the rest of the team as well. I mean, I think DeAndre Ayton and the pick and roll just wasn't happening today with Chris Paul. So a lot of that probably had to go with... Actually, now that I think about it, it's like... They didn't the run pick, it too much, though. Yeah, they didn't. But then also, this season, I feel like they kind of don't do it too much towards the end of the game. They might start off with it in the first or second quarter, but... They kind of hide away from it going into the third and fourth quarter. We just don't see it. So when you don't have that going and no one's really making their threes, I I expect not that low though. One assist is kind of insane, but a lower amount, yeah, it's kind of excusable. Yeah, but again, that's a challenge for the Suns is they've got to find a way to make that pick and roll effective in the fourth quarter to just get some points. I mean, again, fourteen points in the fourth is is darn near you know inexcusable for a team that is the second best record in the West, and you're trying to yeah. close out the Charlotte Hornets. You know, again, you're on the road. It is a good pesky feisty team, so I can understand that. But you know, seventeen total assists is the lowest amount this season for the Phoenix Suns so far. Uh, their last, their their lowest amount prior to this, twice they've had nineteen assists. One time was against the Oklahoma City Thunder, in which we lost, and one was in a win over Dallas, the one where Devin Booker hit the uh, the three-pointer to win the game. That was the last assist of the game, and that was the 19th assist. So this is the lowest assist total for the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, it, it was a bunch of pretty much iso ball. I mean, there was a ton of rebounds out there for everybody uh, because everybody was just shooting it. You know, you look at, at Booker. Let's talk about him. You know, his 35 points in this game comes out firing to start the game. Uh, he what he hits four of the Suns' first six shots, two for four for five points to start it. And then he just kind of, you know, takes over in intermittent spots. Uh, what'd you see from Booker tonight? Well, in the fourth quarter, I was actually writing that he had to take over. He had to be selfish because a lot of it was iso ball tonight, and no one else was really doing a whole lot on the offensive end, except for DeAndre Ayton, who's very efficient, but then they just went away from him. So D for for Booker to actually take over and be selfish at some times, it's actually fun to watch. It can happen. It can go in spurts to where you just you can really root for him. But then when it falls apart, when he's just jacking up threes. And they're they're he's breaking them. That it's impossible to kind of watch. It's like okay, now we got to get some people involved. You don't see that a lot from Booker this year, though. A lot of it is he'll come out in the first and third quarter. He'll score when he wants and when he needs to. But then he does get the team involved. He didn't do that too much tonight. I mean, he did make some great passes on the baseline that really got him out of trouble. But a lot of it was not him trying to find the other guys on the team and. It was a good game by him. I think when it got to like the five minute mark and then in the overtime, he really, really struggled. But it makes sense, right? I mean, he's not a guy that can take over a game from start to finish. He's just not that. And a lot of players can't do that. So he's going to have his little spurts. And like I said, it's fun to root for, but then you have to kind of switch it over. We have this opportunity where we have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and the DeAndre needs to be the next guy, or Mikel Bridges needs to be the next guy to step up and actually just, you know, take the ball and, you know, make something happen. If we're going to play the ISO game, like these guys can actually do it. So for Booker, I mean, it was a fun game. Stats wise, it looks good. Uh, but yes. overall, he almost, him and the rest of the team almost cost us a game, right? By just those stupid turnovers. Yeah, the turnovers in the fourth were just kind of ridiculous. I mean, the the fact that we let this team back in, and they were getting hot. You know, they we'll, we'll give kudos to some of those horny hornets here momentarily on some of their efforts. But I mean, you know, going back to Devin Booker, forty two <laughs> total minutes tonight, thirty five points on ten for yeah. twenty six shooting. So obviously not the most efficient night. Eleven for twelve from the free, the free throw line, and you know it made me happy that he was getting some of those calls and he was forcing the issue. And you mm -hmm. talked about some of those turnovers. You know, he was kind of doing some of that stuff to himself. He was 
dribbling into, you know, double teams and then kind of jumping up and then he's trying to find the guy. And, you know, he made some yeah. great passes, but he also unfortunately uh, turned the ball over just a little too much, you know. But, you know, again, this is the advantage of having a Devin Booker on your team is on a night where Jay Crowder is going 0 for 9, okay, from the field. And Cam Johnson is going 0 for 6 from the field. And everybody outside of DeAndre Ayton, who only had 11 shots in this game, uh, was really having just kind of a hard time struggling. And, and you know, it's it's tough. In these last couple games, I'm trying to figure out, okay, are these teams just better defensively than we're giving them credit for? Or are the Suns just not playing well? And I obviously think it's a combination of both. You know, the wide open missed threes, yeah, that's 100% on the Suns because the offense is being effective enough to where they can get themselves those opportunities and those wide open looks. But there's times when the team is driving to the hoop and and they're getting cut off by, you know, quality long defenders. You know, both the Toronto Raptors and the Charlotte Hornets have long defenders on their teams. So I don't know if it's, uh, you know, again, where where their challenge is. I think it's, it's going to mm-hmm. be good for them to come home. I was really looking forward to this road trip because I thought it'd be a good time to bond, a good time for this team to really gel together. And again, three and one on the road trip. So, you know? Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, I actually was okay if they were to go two and two on this road trip. Because I think it's very difficult, especially this one being early, an early game. Who knows what to expect? Maybe we can just blame the sloppy play on that, that it's just an early game. None of these players are used to that, right? I mean, this is the first time we played this early since last season. I think I went to the one last year where they played like at noon against the Bucks. Yeah. Like that, those are fun to go to, and it's a fun game, but sometimes it could be sloppy. These guys might not be the same. So we can kind of maybe put the blame on that a little bit too. Yeah, I guess so. Cause I'm looking at like some of the statistics and the defensive rating for the Hornets is uh 112.8, which is 20th in the league and 112.5 opponents points per game, which is 19th in the league. So they're not really a defensive powerhouse. I just think that, uh, you know, they got in their own head again, essentially tonight. Mm-hmm. Cause again, that, you know, they, they pushed the lead. They had, they had an opportunity to really kind of solidify this thing. I mean, they were up by 16 at one point in this game. And that last 14 to two push, they just, again, I really just, if you take away the first, you know, the last six minutes of the game, if you look at the first three and a half minutes or quarters of this game, like the Suns played fantastic. You know, yeah, Jay Crowder yeah. was having a bad game and guys were having bad games, but they were really kind of doing what they wanted. But I really think this is the second game in a row where it's like, they've got to figure out who they are in the last five minutes. And that's something that earlier in the season, they had a good identity doing because they had Chris Paul running everything running some PNR and off of that PNR, you get your wide open shooters. You can get, you can have Devin Booker. You have Mikhail Bridges who can cut. You have all these different options, but for some reason, and maybe this is under the direction of Monty Williams. He's like, okay, let's just see who we are in ISO ball ball mode and what we can learn from again. You know, right now is an opportunity for the team to really understand all of the, the tools at their disposal and try to execute them in game situations against these teams. And unfortunately, you know, it, it was it hasn't worked out uh, relative to their execution, but they still are 2-0 in the last two games. It's so weird. No, it is very strange. And a lot of it, too, I mean, with Chris Paul and Booker having the ball, so they run into trouble themselves. You know, they just run into traffic. They pick up the dribble. Uh, they, there's no one there. Maybe there's no one moving to where they can find someone to pass the ball to. That's also an option of something you can blame it on, but they're just, they kind of force themselves into trouble for some reason late in games, you know, instead of just moving the ball, setting up a good offense. So a lot of it, that's, that's just really what it is. And uh, they'll figure out the kinks. So, right. I don't think this is something that's going to last that long. No, I really don't either. I think that, you know, East coast game, they, there are, whether they like it or not, they're on Arizona time ish, you know? So, I mean, yeah, yeah it's just, it's just a weird game. Um, but again, you know, Winterfell. Okay. You know where Winterfell is, right? Yes, of course. Yes, Winterfell. That's where the Suns live, you know, behind the three-point line. Eight for 40 tonight, man. Eight <laughs> yeah, ice cold, right? 40. Ice cold. <laughs> Unbelievably ice cold. Winter isn't coming. Winter has come yeah. for the Suns when it comes to, you know, three-point makes. Uh, you look at this season, there's only a, three other times they only made eight. One time they made seven. One time they made six. And one time they made four. Uh, the 20% isn't the worst performance, but it is in the top four worst performances from deep this season. And again, that's that's there's that many shot attempts. And considering that you have the Charlotte Hornets, who shot a total of 43 three-pointers, and is a team that kind of has more of an affinity for the three-point line, relative to the Suns or compared to the Suns, if you will. You know, they yeah. they generally, they're fifth in the league in three-point percentage. 
Uh, and they're seventh in the league in three-point makes per game. So they're a team yeah. that likes to shoot the three ball. The Suns, for the second game in a row, really start to fall into the trap of doing what the opposition was doing. They're like, listen, the three is open. We're going to take it. And that's what you're talking about with like Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson pre-COVID is somebody who, when he had that wide open three, he would take it sometimes. But if he had the lane wide open in front of him, you'd see him at least try to attack. And then off of that, he could either dish it to somebody or you know go for a layup or something like that. And I think part of that is the sun's being tired, the sun's being on the road. You know, it's easier to take a three point shot than it is to drive to the lane and try to create something, right? Yeah, it, no, it definitely is, and that's something that you can you think that the Suns probably were doing, especially the Hornets, where I was just like, okay, keep shooting the three, but then Rozier he he heats up all of a sudden. But the the Hornets to get back in the game, they maybe just had to take the ball to the rim, but they were just jacking up threes and missing and everything. making them. Well, they made them well, at the end. Well, the, the, Rozier, yeah, he got really hot. So that was it. I'm sorry, Devontae no, no, Devonte Graham. 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 My bad, Devonte Graham. I actually, I remember that myself without looking in the comments. So it was him that actually he was making the threes. So I was like, damn it, dude, because they were missing everything. But the Suns. These games, when they happen, a lot of the times in the past, you would see them, they kind of go the other way, where they start to get to the rim, shoot the mid-range, do things like that to get out, play their own game, because they are the mid-range monsters or the monsters of the mid-range. So they need to go back to that. And this game and the last game, they just keep shooting it. So I don't know what that is, or I, I'm not a big fan of it. Sometimes they can shoot themselves out of it. Maybe that's something Monty likes to see, because Monty is also the guy who likes them to play through like a run. So if a team goes like on a 6-0 run or 7-0 run, he won't call a timeout. He'll try to have the Suns play through it. And then sometimes it gets a little out of hand. So maybe he's doing the same thing with the threes to where he just wants the Suns, because he would say in the timeouts, hey, stop shooting the freaking three, right? Yeah, he would yeah. tell them, but I don't think he does. It's just like, just shoot your, yourself out of it because they're a good shoot. They're a good three-point shooting team. I, I think they're pretty solid at times, but I like it when they go back to shooting the two, but it's not... Of course, I, I have no... I can't tell them what to do, but I think that if they go back to shooting the two and get into the paint, giving the ball to Aiden, doing things like that, that'll probably get them back into rhythm. That's that's the thing they need to do. Exactly. And just, again, just put points on the board because when you're not putting points on the board, you're letting the opposition come and put a run on you and, and all of a sudden build that confidence. So they're like, Oh, Hey, the three balls working. Well, I'm going to continue yeah. to shoot the three ball. You know, you look at the Suns and their three point percentage, uh, this season is eighth best in the league, which kind of shocks me when I look at it, but their two point percentage is third best in the league. And that's where that's beautiful, right? That it's beautiful to see that. That's and that's Aiden. That's Aiden. Yeah. And, and you oh, know Booker what? I, Booker two, but and I think Chris Paul, <laughs> And Jay Crap, no, Jay and, only shoots and, threes. Yeah, and Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> but you know, but uh, but looking at at the Hornets and some of the players on their team, you know, they they definitely put together a valiant effort. Uh, PJ Washington was their version of of uh, Jay Crowder tonight. He had zero points as well. So you know, knowing that, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward, you held in check four for fifteen from the field. Yeah, for fifteen struggled. points. He had a rough game. He did, and uh, I liked him shooting the three because he would help the Suns out a lot, like the rest of the Hornets team, where they would just start jacking up the three. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I feel like a lot of these guys could have got to the rim. They were sneaky on the offensive uh, rebounds. Mm -hmm. They were just pulling up behind the Suns' defense whenever they wanted, like to sneak in there and cut. So I, I was just thinking, I'm like, why don't they just keep getting to the rim? But they were they were helping the Suns out to where they were just shooting the three, and I was like, all right, stick with that because it's not working until the very end. Of course, it wasn't working the rest of the game. Well, and a lot of their offensive rebounds were on long shots that led to long rebounds. And it was something that some yeah. people were talking about on Twitter was, you know, when is DeAndre Ayton going to learn how to get positioning on players for rebounds and things of that nature? It's like this game, he had great positioning. Just everything went two miles over his head because they were shooting bombs and then they were getting <laughs> the offensive rebounds off of him. And, you know, I mean, there was that one play where they had like four in one possession and finally got uh, a layup at the rim, you know, I was just like, wow, man, this is just really kind of frustrating. Um, let's, let, let's dish out one of our awards where we talk about this guy, the Jack Taylor award <laughs> for the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. That was some good well, muting. You did there. You like that? <laughs> it's because I forget it goes automatic to mute. And then I hit mute again. <laughs> the Jack and award for the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. <laughs> and we're giving this one two Miles Bridges on this game. Now you look, yeah. Miles Bridges had 18 points off the bench and 12 rebounds. Okay. And he was the third high score on the team. You had Devontae Graham went for 30 on nine for 21 shooting. And you had Terry Rozier have 22. And uh, I think the boogie trend said it a little bit earlier in the chat. 
he said, you know, first Rozier got hot and then it was Miles Bridges and then it was Devontae yeah. Graham. And that was their offense tonight. You know, you look at their total points scored combined and you have, let's see, plus that. So 70 of their 97 points came from those three players. So that's 72% of their total scoring. Um, but Miles Bridges, man, I mean, he had himself a Jack Taylor kind of night, didn't he? Or day, no night. <coughs> yeah, Hoo-ha. yeah, yeah. Hoo ha. <laughs> Yeah, he did. Uh, honestly, he's a he's a guy really that in every like fifth game he'll get hot. He, he's just he he's a reason. Like before, Mikael Bridges was Mikael Bridges this year. He was the other Bridges, of course. Everyone would talk about on ESPN. He was a high flyer, but he he he's not consistent at all. He's not consistent like a Mikael Bridges. But this game, it was like his fifth game since I think he played. Yeah, the Clippers. He scored twenty one points. So it's like he'll go off every fifth game or sixth game. That's just the way he is. He's an outstanding hustle guy, high flyer. But tonight, like I was saying just a minute ago, like he got behind the defense on uh, some alley oops. Yep. He was there to grab the offensive rebounds when he could. Uh, seven of them tonight. So I just, or five of them, sorry, five of them tonight. He's just, there's always just these one guys that go off and it's kind of irritating, but it's nice to have him go off, not like a Gordon Hayward. Because when Hayward will go off and he can get hot, then you're in real trouble, right? Because I don't think, Miles Bridges can't continue it like uh, Gordon Hayward can. Miles Bridges mm-hmm. will kind of shoot himself out of him being hot and like the hottest player on the team. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny because last game it was Malik Monk who went absolutely ape shit and won the Jack Taylor Award as the Suns lost to the Hornets, and he was the guy who was kind of responsible for that. And then you have Miles Bridges, the other Bridges from the 2018 draft come out and just put on a show he's hitting threes he's dunking he's doing kind of all these things and you're just like oh no here we go again dude not another guy coming out of nowhere scoring a shit ton of points on us and and ultimately winning the game and you're right you know gordon hayward's the guy you don't want to get hot and if you can defend him and and force him into four to 15 shooting yeah you should end up beating that team again you know it was just kind of you know 37 points for miles bridges off the bench because he he wasn't cooling down you know, kudos to their coach for being like, this guy's hot. I'm keeping him in. And, you know, it's something that I wish the the Suns would kind of follow the, the same, I don't know, pattern. If a guy gets hot, to keep him in. In Watch 2021. Talk about a great transition. Fantastic. Aiden Watch. Okay, so he starts this yeah. game. Uh, playing fantastic, in my opinion. Okay, comes out. Uh, he's going into the body of Bismarck Biombo, holds him only to two points at the end of the game. But you know, at the beginning, I just saw him aggressive, and he was five for six in the first quarter, and he was killing Charlotte. And Monty takes him out with three fourteen left in the first quarter, and doesn't put him back in until six oh six in the second. So that's nine minutes of game time. And I get it. You know, that's when his substitution pattern says I need to do this. But like, if you see your center coming out and playing in the way that he is dominating the way that he was wouldn't you just bring him back maybe a little bit early see yeah. if the mark starts and if it's not then you can pull him with like two minutes left in the half like yeah why, why didn't monty williams do what charlotte's head coaches who i whose name escapes me you know he did that with miles because this guy's hot i'm keeping him in until he's not anymore and i know it's the first half but why didn't monty do that with Aiden, man no that's a good question actually yeah Khalid's totally right. Thought Aiden would drop 30. That's a lot of time. A lot of times we think about this with Suns with Suns players. Like, hey, they're gonna drop 30 or 40 points tonight. And then all of a sudden, like they're taken out of the game, they're taken out of their rhythm. And it could have happened with with uh, DeAndre Aiden. But I'm not too worried about the minutes he missed in between then. I just say just keep feeding him the ball because he was he started out so great. So that's that's a good prediction for the rest of the game. He's not gonna have like those fumble bumbles like he does yeah. in the beginning of the game. Those are out of the way. He's already started out really solid. So he should be the option going into the fourth quarter when when Booker's struggling, when when obviously Chris Paul had a kind of an off night. Like he needs to be the go-to guy. Then you start getting him into that rhythm going into late to late of the year, going to the playoffs, to where he can be that guy to be the third option and have the confidence to be that th- guy. Yes, exactly. And he is he was having that kind of game where this would have been a great confidence booster for him. It's his fifth game in a row where he's played very, very good. And where I love him is underneath the rim too, offensive on the offensive glass. Like he is so good around there. He like seven offensive rebounds tonight, but he can do that every night if he wants to. If they let him stay down there and he's not running back on defense right away, um, but offensively, just keep feeding him. I'm never, I'm never upset if he does it. He if he has like a turnaround jump shot and he misses it, or a jump hook and he misses it. 
those opportunities that he has around the rim is more efficient than anything else on the floor for the Suns offensively. So if I, I would take that over a Booker three, over a Chris Paul three, over a Mikhail Bridges three, just giving the ball under the rim and he was working it. So to go away from it, I just I don't know the excuses for it. What happens where he's just not in the game plan and the in overtime? Did he even play? Did yeah, they played. take him out in overtime? Uh, I I don't recall. Oh, okay. I feel like I didn't see him much in the overtime. I know they took him out in like the last few possessions, but I don't know why. They put in Tory Craig for some reason, but Aiden just needs to stay in there and they need to keep forcing the ball. I think he needs to have at like least 15 to 20 attempts per game. It's insane that he doesn't. And okay, so I'll, I'll start with this 10 points in the first half on five for six shooting. Okay. So he had five for six shooting in the and 10 points in the first quarter. And they put him in six minutes left in the game, and then they start going away from him, as you mentioned. And he ends the game with 14 points and 14 rebounds. So he definitely picked up his rebounding pace because he only had three in the first half. So he got nine. He essentially went for four and nine in the second half and overtime. And again, it, it's frustrating that they don't, you know, you use the word feed. And I think it's a good word because just because you're feeding DA doesn't mean necessarily he's going to take the shot attempt. If you're giving him the ball and the defense is collapsing on him, which a lot of start, time starts to happen. That's what started to happen in the second quarter, essentially, is they would try to get him the ball a little bit. He'd get it, and then a collapser would come, or you know the defense would do some sort of adjustment, and he would just pass out of it. But what that does is because they're making that adjustment, there's a weakness now in some part of the floor where if you could you know whip the ball around real quick, you could take advantage of that. That's how we saw some of our missed three-pointers uh, were based on possessions in which, in which DeAndre Ayton had possession at the ball at some point in that possession, possessionally, possession, said possession seven times there. Uh, but at the same time, in the fourth quarters and, and over time, as, as we've mentioned before, and I'll say it again, they didn't go to DA once. He didn't touch the ball. They wouldn't even let him screen. They just kept doing that. You know, you stay in the corner. I'm going to ISO this guy until it doesn't work. And you need to continue to feed him. There was a poll that somebody put on Twitter after the first quarter. It's like, how many points do you think DA is going to end with? And, you know, it was like 20 to 25, 30, yeah. 40, you know, and like almost nobody voted for under 20 points because it looked like he was cruising for that. And they didn't allow him an opportunity to do that. And I just, I don't understand why the Suns don't allow him an opportunity to feast or at least give him uh, some touches on those possessions, because again, it puts the defense in compromising situations. And ultimately you can get some sort of offensive look. That's, you know, going to give you an opportunity to get those points that you need so desperately to close out these teams. Yeah. And uh, JW is correct, dude. Uh, if I were DA, despite the win, I think I'd be pissed off. Yes. But he's, he's not, he wants to win. So whether or not he gets five points or 30 points in a win, he doesn't care. So he's not going to be pissed off about it. And that's fine, I guess. But he he kind of needs to be. But he's not going to get that to that point yet. Because honestly, we just we need him right now to get used to the to the idea that he's going to be like the third guy for us. And mm -hmm. he needs to be in certain times. And to go away from it, it's kind of just it's insane to me when I, if I'm watching this game and I'm not saying um, I'm not saying Aiden is Zion Williamson. At no. all, but if I'm watching the Pelicans and Zion's not touching the ball towards the end, I know he's like their best player and he's not touching the ball in the fourth quarter. I'm like, what the hell's going on? How is DA not our top third best? I mean, we have Chris Paul on our team, Devin Booker's a superstar. Of course, Aiden's going to be shadowed by them, but I, just, I think that he just needs this opportunity to really, really have those touches, dude. It's very, very important. Absolutely. So we need to fix that quickly because even if we're winning these games, we're always going to do this during eight and watch, right? We're always going to be on this Suns team and be like, give him the freaking ball, dude. Well, and it's one thing if you're feeding eight in the ball and he's just not effective or efficient with it. And if you look in the second half, essentially he wasn't, you know, again, he started five for six and he ended six for 11. So, you know, that's one for six in the second half and or one for five in the second one for six, four. I can't do math five, one for five in the second half. So, it's not like, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily efficient, but he should have had more touches than he did because he could put the team in compromising situations. Uh, and to your point, you know, on the offensive rebounds, he had 14 rebounds tonight, seven were on, on the offensive end. I mean, he was active. He wanted to play and have an impact on this game, and he did on the boards. And, you know, yeah. kudos for him for yeah. his, you know, this is what, the fourth or fifth game now in a row where he's really had uh, a solid performance you look at the way that he he's just played um, coming into this road trip, and it's something I feel like a lot of Suns fans have really been kind of railing on him and saying, you know, his inconsistency and things of that nature. You look at his last four games prior to this, he's averaging 20 points and 10 rebounds. 
And tonight it was 14 and 14. And that's kind of, you know, because he didn't get all of the opportunities that he should have in those last five or six minutes, man, they run two or three screen rolls with him and get him the ball. I'm not saying he needs to shoot it, but get him the ball. Good things would have happened. And we probably could have closed this team out. We wouldn't have to go to overtime. Yeah. And how do people get better at anything, right? Just more touches, more opportunity. You get the, it's trial by fire. You have to be just thrown out there and do things and mess up. Like look at Chris Paul and Devin Booker tonight. Like how many times have they been in this situation handling the ball? They're still turning the ball over. Still throwing it to ghosts and yelling at ghosts because the ghost wasn't there to catch the ball. That was Devin Booker tonight. So it's still going to happen. There's still going to be mistakes. So why not just use those mistakes on DA and see what happens? You know, I want to see him have the ball more and Mikael Bridges towards the end of the games. And speaking of Mikael Bridges, let's give a shout out to the Ooh. warden on this one, man. Dude, what, a game. Uh, what a game for him. 13 points on six for 11 shooting, but it was everything else that he was doing. He had the eight rebounds, the four assists, the six steals. The long arm of the law, the warden, showed up tonight, man. He did, and he was only one for three from uh, three, which is great. I love to see that. Really important three we made. Yep. But getting to, the, getting to the rim, dude, he was just – he was all over the place. Anytime I wouldn't – I mean, I was watching the game the whole time, but anytime there was a turnover, a tip pass, or anything like that, it was Mikhail Bridges. He was there with those long arms. He's just so fun to watch, and it's so funny watching him play with EJ talking about how long he is and – like I don't I don't know that sounded rat really bad, but oh, how man, how dude. long his arms are and like how he actually he's just he's a freaking nature basically and just the more opportunity he has like DeAndre Ayton the better he's gonna get and like I said earlier that the touch he had the touches he had in the overtime those are really those are things that Suns need to look into because he is so good at getting to the rim for easy buckets that can help just put teams away and he got that opportunity tonight in overtime and I hope the Suns moving forward do that a lot more. No, I agree. And again, you know, we talk about touches for DA and how important they are for his development. It's the same thing with Mikhail Bridges, but the difference is like he really knows how to make his own touches, the way he yeah. steals the ball, the way that he gets in passing lanes. I mean, there was one where I forget who it was, but it was well, through a baseline pass and he just kind of, you know, it was, it was like a cornerback making an interception on a play. I mean, it's just so fun to watch uh, the Phoenix fans apps. If you haven't downloaded that on your smartphones, I highly recommend it. It's a great yes. little Suns community and all Phoenix uh, sports communities. Um, but they do a giveaway every every game. And mm -hmm. uh, the closest to ever got his stats right one tonight. And I don't know who that is. I know it wasn't me because it wasn't maybe, me. Well, well, maybe, well, his rebounds is what got me, but, uh, cause I said he did have 14 points and I think six rebounds, something along mm -hmm. those lines. I said 21 um, points. Oh, wow. Yeah. You were, you were going for it. You were shooting your yeah, shot on that one. <laughs> um, but, but you know, the reason I bring that up is they have, uh, John who runs the Phoenix suns app or Phoenix fans app has like a Mikhail Bridges shirt, long arm of the law. And it was so, so, uh, justified tonight. I mean, you saw it in everything that he did, the hustle, the ability to just kind of uh, lead this team defensively. You know, it's a team that sometimes can get caught in that cog of of being the turnover versus the turnover E, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Charlotte had 22 turnovers in this game and the Suns had uh, 19 points off of those turnovers. Conversely, the Suns had 14 turnovers and gave up 21 points. So, <laughs> They were allowing Charlotte to kind of take advantage, but you know none of that was on Mikhail's watch. Man, he is fantastic. No, he is, and his handles too are really, really solid. I don't remember one time this year where he's actually taken the ball to the rim and he's like lost it, where some guy's taking the ball away from him or he's dribbled it off his knee. Like I seriously cannot think of one moment. There's probably one moment out there, but I just don't remember it. And I know he has very limited possessions of going to the rim, but he honestly he's doing so good at it. Like. I just trust him so much on this team, dude. And EJ said it tonight. It's like every great team has a Mikkel Bridges on their team. And it's totally true. I can't wait till the Suns win a championship. And we had the documentary of him and Aiden getting drafted. And then him not going to the 76ers and oh, yes. all that stuff. And being a son for forever. This is He's just one of those guys that makes you smile watching him. He never pisses. He never makes me upset. Sorry, Mom no, and Dad. <laughs> me neither. And again, you know that we're getting close to 1,000 subscribers because the trolls have shown up. We got Bulldog Face in the chat saying... Uh, Buck Dog talking to one of our loyal listeners. Uh, you guys will always be our floor mat. So oh, everyone's there, we got Matt. people talking shit to each other in the in the, in the chat, man. So you, you know, like no, Matt not you, no, no. Well, be the floor, comma Matt. <laughs> um, real quick before we dish out the jam star of the game, couple things I want to remind everybody who is watching to please subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. And if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to the podcast as well. And a question I have for you, Matthew, is Tory Craig 
the best son to ever wear the jersey number 12? Oh, he's close, right? TJ Warren was very TJ Warren's got to be number one, right? Yeah, but then also when TJ Warren was traded, I wasn't too upset. I was like one of the ones like, are you sh- are you sure you really want TJ Warren on this team? Like, <laughs> I, I have you watched him the black hole right on the offense? Yeah, um, Tory Craig, he playing phenomenal. He is basically he's Dario Saric, but he can do everything better than Dario Saric, right? Getting mm-hmm. the boards, get, being under the rim, the putbacks. He can make a lay-in. He can shoot and make the three right now. I know Dario Saric is having a horrible time right now, and I don't really know if we're going to go into him at all. But Torrey Craig is just basically whatever Dario Saric does, he can do better. And he's doing it exceptionally well. And he is fitting right. I mean, it's been five games, right, with him. And he's playing crucial minutes. I know he yeah. came in He came in late to take over DeAndre in spot, but he's getting big boards. Big boards like a like a big dude under there man he is he is the man that the sons need he him and uh dario sarge together actually are kind of fun to watch they're 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 very very hard on the other team like they just they're they punish the other team they're like the punishers basically under the glass i feel like they play a lot of the same kind of ball and i, I love to see them on the court together well and very physical you know i think that's what you're kind of referencing you know you, dario sarge the one thing that dario sarge does do better than tory craig is back people down it's not pretty it's really kind of herky jerky. It looks like 1975 basketball where he takes his cigarette butt and he just puts it into <laughs> you know guys and pushes them it's down and tries to me. yeah me and then play up. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly what he does. But I mean, he's just been really fun to watch. I mean, Tory Craig nine points on four for six shooting, one for two from downtown. Had the four rebounds, the two steals, the one assist. You know, these are the kind of things that you need for the Phoenix Suns, obviously, to pull these victories out is you need somebody from the bench to step up because outside of Dario Sarge's six points and Cameron Payne's six points, which all came in yeah. the first half, mind you, that that's all the scoring that the Suns had from their bench, a total of 21 points from their bench. And it's something that, again, consistently, you know, there's a couple things that we've noticed recently on this Suns road trip. Uh, their inability to score in the last quarter and their bench play has really kind of struggled outside of Torrey Craig. So I just think that... Uh, I don't know if he is obviously the number one player to wear number 12. Obviously, this is recency bias. You go back and look at everyone who's worn number 12 from Eddie Bidenbach to Pat Riley, Ted McClain, Johnny High, uh, Raphael Addison, Winston Crite, Richard Dumas in his second iteration as a son. He was number 21. He came back to number 12. Uh, Toby Baisley, Hyward Isley, Andre Barrett, Michael Pietras, Kendall Marshall, TJ Warren, Jared Harper, and now Torrey Craig. None of those guys outside of TJ Warren really jump off the page to you. So he's on his way, perhaps, to being the best son to ever wear number 12. Well, if the Suns win a championship this year, he'll be the best ever, just like Chris Paul, the best point guard in Suns history if we win a championship. (laughs) That's just how it works, right? Whoa, now. Jam star of the game. You did it again. <laughs> that one was on purpose. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> you're killing me, man. You're killing me. It's funny. Right. Oh, it's not Aiden. Watch the jam star of the game. All right. So if you're watching right. along live, let us know who you think your jam star of the game is. Uh, you loyal jamster listeners. You Matthew, who are you dishing out the jam star of the game to? Oh, it's bridges for sure. It's I just gotta, as simple as that, agree. man. He was everywhere. Were there, were there three of him out there tonight? I feel like there was like three Mikhail Bridges out there tonight. He, there was one Mikhail Bridges, but he was like Goro from Mortal Kombat. He, he had like yeah, exactly. four arms on him. Yep. No, no, it, it's Good. definitely He won the game for the Suns tonight. He came through and he just needs more touches. Him and Nathan need to slowly get into that 25% range of on the court like handles. Like I feel like they just need to have the ball a lot more than what they do right now. And they're earning it. They definitely are. They're moving up there, right? With the trade deadline pass. I know, I know, I know that, um, Mikael Bridges didn't have to worry about the trade, de- trade deadline, but Aiton, I feel like since then he's been playing great and he's been very consistent. But Mikael Bridges, just give him the ball more, man. That's all I ask for. No, I, I agree. If if the Suns had allowed DeAndre Aiton to continue to score, um, it it easily would have been him, in my opinion. If he got to twenty points, because he had the fourteen rebounds and seven of them were offensive, so he was cruising for a jam star of the game nod. But yeah. The Suns didn't really integrate him into the offense late. Mikael Bridges kept it going. You have Low Sun says Bridges. Our loyal listener, Roy, he says Bridges. Uh, Joe Slater drops the warden. Mikael Bridges for debt. Uh, Coach Evan B gives it to Aiton. You got Bridges baiting from Blackout Suns. Uh, no doubt about it from R. Bridges, no doubt about it. Kind of down the line, uh, Jam Stars, PJ Washington for the Hornets. He played for uh, he played for us today. <laughs> oh yeah, PJ Washington. <laughs> yeah. He he was Jay Crowder today. I mean, they both combined for zero points. Mario, 
Mikhail from uh, Iverson Vlogs. I mean, so down the line, everybody is dropping uh, a lot of love. Uh, we do have one from Landon Alverson for book. And that's interesting. You know, Devin Booker goes for 35 points and he gets one nod in the chat, you know, for. Uh, that's the way it is this year, right? It, it is. With him. He's been very under, underappreciated, especially by the NBA. But it's just, I think we just expect this now from him. Like he is just so consistent. We look for other guys to improve because we need that because a lot of these players are young. So the more they step up, the more we see that more than Booker's consistency. Agreed, agreed. Thoughts. Um, brains? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's overplayed now. <laughs> yeah, the joke's no longer funny. Damn it. Nah, um, <laughs> well, so I was I was thinking a couple things. You know, one, I shared a story in the last podcast where you weren't on, but you know the little Vietnamese restaurant that Shan and I yeah, go to. I heard the story. I, yeah, I walked in the other day, dude. They had the sun's on. Like, how cool is that, man? No, it's awesome, dude. Actually, I love going back to the old story where we we're in the bar. Buffalo Wild Wings and it's it's going to be one of the starting points for us you know it's like we were at the bar and the game wasn't on and we can always go back to that story yeah sad story like, though, actually yeah I was sad it's like why aren't you playing the freaking Suns game man like like seriously play that game um so another thing I wanted to talk about and I don't know if you realize this Matthew but one year ago today which would be March 28th of 2020 oh, what's that you don't remember? Are you, pull, are you pulling up a picture or video? I'm pulling up a picture for you. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So I text you one year ago, and I said, man, John and Matthew, jam, sound, son's jam session. And your response was, damn, that's good. One year ago today, we came up with the name for the podcast after being the solar report and being the son's report. Do you remember that text? I do. And I remember, I think I was like on a golf course somewhere. Well, aren't you a aren't, aren't you a cool fucker? So yeah, so for one year we've officially been the Suns Jam Session pod, podcast. Before that, we were the Suns Report, and before that, we were the Solar Report. So uh, take that, Espo and Dave and Justin and every and uh, Paul and everybody who used to always make fun of us for changing our name every two to three months. We've yeah, been it's, it for a year fun. now. It's. I remember I told you I'm like, should we wait till like next season starts? Like, no, let's just do it now. Get it out of the way, and it's it's stuck, and I don't think it'll ever change. No, this is this is who we are, and the last thing I want to talk about on our thoughts is Suns fans. Yeah. Gorgie Jang hopes are. I don't know if it's official yet, but based kind of on a couple tweets that are out there, it looks like he will end up being a member of the San Antonio Spurs. So rest in peace to our hopes for about two. Two and a half days. We really thought he'd be a member yeah. of the Phoenix Suns. What are your thoughts on him eventually joining the Spurs and how James Jones has had zero action in the buyout market? You know, initial thoughts is I still trust James Jones. I'm not too worried. I mean, these guys were passing up. It does kind of suck in a way, but there has to be something else out there, right? There has to be some player, because I know uh, we talked about it with Flex, where it's going to be a long period of time where there might be some surprising names that get released that the Suns can pick up. So it's not over yet. I know some names are flying by and we haven't picked anybody up, but it's nothing to worry about, I don't think. I think they're going to do something still. I'm not I'm not too upset, honestly. I know a lot of these teams are getting better. I know Andre Drummond went to the Lakers today. So yes. that's something that... But I don't, I'm not too worried about that either because I know DeAndre Ayton can take on um, Andre Drummond. So I'm not too upset about that one. I don't know. I think... I want to say I'm upset, but I, I I'm a little bit frustrated, and here's why. Okay, you you go down and you look, and every team. I don't think the Jazz made it, have made any splashes, but every other team in the Western Conference that's fighting for an opportunity to play in the playoffs has done something. They've done one little tweak, and unless James Jones just thoroughly and utterly loves his team right now and sees no opportunity for anything in the in the playoffs, they go. This is a team that's going to win us a championship. It is a little frustrating because I really thought that Gorgie Jang offered us what we needed as a team. We needed somebody to provide backup depth to eight, knowing that you don't need it every game. But you do need it in some games and some situations when you go against teams like Denver, for example, who uh, are really a, a big, tough team. And I just I'm a little you know, they got bigger and obviously the Lakers got bigger and they addressed the need. So a lot of these teams where it's funny how everybody you know, talks about, oh, you don't need a big it's a modern league. Everybody shoots threes. Come to buy out market, everybody's looking for a big, you know, and <laughs> yeah. like the Suns no, didn't right. do anything. So, uh, as Roy says in Not the chat, yet, though. let's get cousins. 
god I'm just i don't know i don't know there has to be somebody else right they wouldn't let these guys pass up if they weren't like actually focusing on something else because they know their weaknesses and that's the weakness and they need to shore it up before the playoffs and it, who knows dude they have to get someone soon i think it's another week and a half right yeah until we have to have someone on this yeah so it's we'll see who else eligible. is released or bought out hashtag auto porter come on chicago bulls release him so we can pick him up i'm just gonna keep throwing guys names out there and, and james jones will pick up absolutely no well, auto porter he's a wing right yeah he's six foot eight but i mean he plays a little yeah. bit bigger than he is and i feel like but again bringing in tory craig really addressed that need so i don't I know if so we're, we're really gonna do it uh, a burner account says bring bender back you know what i actually want to be opposed to that the problem there I is i just don't know i don't know who we'd have to give up right yeah, I know. Just don't know. Nothing from that Suns era. Come you don't want Marquise Chris, as Divine oh, Intention says? Who did he play for the Spurs? Yeah, I guess he, he was, was a Spurs. I know he was on the Spurs. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's injured anyway. Oh, poor guy. Uh, right. You know, but poor dude. Um, I do have a mailbag question. So if anybody is interested in... It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, But you can email us, sunsjamsession at gmail.com, and we will answer any of your, your uh, mailbag questions here on the show. Um, this one is from our loyal listener, Nicholas Tan. He's been with us since yeah. we were the Solar Report, Solar Report man. a long, long time ago. The Tan Man. So he says, Dear John and Matthew, it's going to be tough now. I saw that the um, the trade that is sending Air Gordon to Denver. <laughs> Air Gordon, that's funny. Uh, this has been on my mind ever since our last game against Denver where I saw Jokic power his way in the post after picks. We had so much trouble on the pick and roll switches with Jokic as the screener because no one outside of Aiton has the physical gifts to really take it to him. When those PNRs come against Denver, it's going to be extra brutal now. Mikhail, mm -hmm. CP3, and Jay Crowder are fantastic defensive players, but it's going to be a tough battle if we meet them in the playoffs. I'm not doubting my sons. These are just facts. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about Jokic not being able to stop him in the pick and roll, no one Nobody can. can. <laughs> there, there's a superstars in this league you just cannot defend. And I don't care who's coming off those pick and rolls with him. You can't defend them either because he's going to find someone else. He is just an unreal player who's probably going to win the MVP this year. If he keeps it up and that team moves up to the third or fourth spot in the West, he might win the MVP because he he held it down with that team until they got more help. With Aaron Gordon, we'll see how he fits because Aaron Gordon's finally on a winning team. Who knows how well he's going to do? He might end up just getting 20 minutes a game. Who knows? It really between him. You and really do Yep. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about it too much because you already had the issue going in the playoffs playing against playing against Jokic. So the fact that he got a little bit more help, I don't think it adds too much more worry. It's already a worry playing against the team right now. It is, and that's you know because Jokic is just the caliber that he's playing is is as you mentioned and everybody knows is just unbelievable this year, and it does help them offensively, and I think that's the reason why they brought Aaron Gordon into Denver is just to you know one it was a, a steal for them essentially you can get a player yeah. his caliber, but he's not a really great defensive player, and, and we've noted it in the past he's somebody who can play good defense if he really tries hard, he can, but yeah. he but but he isn't consistently a top tier defender. So when it comes to Jokic, as we mentioned, no one can stop him. Denver, their size is something that does worry me, though. The fact that they have a team with that is constructed with wings and with Jokic and with the the adequate guard play in Jamal Murray, somebody who is definitely a Suns killer. You know, they're a team that when the playoffs come, if Phoenix has to play Denver sit back and get ready to watch a fantastic series. Like I almost want that series because, and it'd be great if it was the Western conference finals. Uh, but I don't think the way the seating will work out it'll probably be the second round. Um, but I really think it'd be an interesting series because you're going to see coaching at its finest. And I think that the one challenge we're going to run into isn't necessarily trying to stop Jokic on those pick and rolls. It's going to be how good of a coach is Monty because you got to realize, you know, when you look at the Denver Nuggets, they they're in they're in the Western Conference Finals last year. They're a team that's perennially in the playoffs, so they have those experiences that the Suns don't have this year. And going against them is going to be really interesting if it does occur in the uh, in the playoffs. So, looking forward to that if it does occur. Yeah, me too, man. It's going to be a lot of great matchups. Yeah, and uh, uh, somebody said in the chat, and forgive me, I it scrolls so fast here. So that means that's awesome because there's so many jamsters watching. Um, but it's every every matchup in the NBA or the NBA finals, the uh, the NBA playoffs is going to be tough. Every team is in the playoffs every for a reason. Team. 
So yeah. there's gonna there's gonna be pros and cons uh, to all that. Right now it's the Mavericks, right? They're number seven. We're number two. So even the Mavericks, you don't want to play. I know we hate Luca. All that. I stuff, do want to play the Mavericks because I, I we do. own the Mavericks. Yeah, but it's still gonna be scary, dude. To play against Bring that on team. the mess. And as of right now, uh, it's actually the Spurs is who we'd be playing. Are they seven now? They're seven now. The Mavericks okay. are eight. So, but okay. you have the seven through ten playoff. So here's the team that are in the seven to ten right now. It's the Spurs at seven, Mavericks at eight, Grizzlies at nine, and Golden State Warriors at ten. And the the Sacramento Kings are a game behind the Warriors, and then it's like a you know that's it goes on, but it doesn't really matter there. So we'll see who they play. Um, and then I saw one last question I wanted to bring up before we get out of here today, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people in the chat are again talking about Whiteside. Seems like mm-hmm. we talk about this once a podcast. What are your thoughts on Whiteside? I, I'm down. Yeah, he can come in. I just don't want him to be. I don't know if he's a really good locker room guy. That was always my thing. It's like if he can come in and just play his role and just you know go in there, put up some decent minutes, fifteen to sixteen minutes. That's fine. I think he can do a swell job, but he has to be good in the locker room. That's all I care about. Well, and here's the other thing: is he has to be released by the Sacramento Kings and for the Kings for some reason they're not really in the buyout market. I mean, they're not a what team else that do they I think have to do to be a buyout. Like I feel like they've had so so much bad luck this year with everything. Like how much more do you want to do? Like just, you know, you got to start tanking now, right? Yeah, I guess so, but at the same time like they're like I just mentioned, like a half game out of being I in know. the the 10 seed. So why would they drop somebody who could potentially when they help them get to a a play in game or if they're in that play in game could be something that works and an advantage to them coming off the bench. I don't know, but you know, Whiteside. I'm just I'm not big on Whiteside just because and it's so funny because we've like changed because <laughs> I've always been kind of pro Whiteside to the Suns in the past just because I yeah. played very well with him on 2K and now you're the one who's like, yeah, bring him in. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't think that his it's attitude the snickle fritz you know, I just, that's all that's left right now so if you can get someone like Whiteside, why not <laughs> i guess i guess well on that note i think we're done with this edition of the sun's jam session podcast so everybody who decided to hang out with this on this sunday afternoon we appreciate it oh you know what let's just do this real quick matthew i didn't have an opportunity to do this as of yet so because i guess we're just talking so much and so long guess what the guess what segment? Who wins? Suns or Raptors? Wrong one. Suns or uh, who are, uh, the, the Hornets? <laughs> the Hornets. No, no. Well, who won? Suns oh. or Hornets? Uh, I said the Suns. And when Suns Geek was here subbing in for you on our last podcast, he said the Suns as well. Thank I God, did. Huh? I did my best to try to bribe him into the Hornets. He didn't take. He held strong for you. <laughs> so twenty and nine for Matthew and seventeen for and twelve for John. Next up, we do have the Hawks on Sunday or on Tuesday. I'm sorry. Uh, you can join the podcast live once the game ends. We'll be going live as per usual. Um, how many three point attempts will Trey Young have? Oh, 14. 14. Okay. Dude, I like that. I watch that guy. I'm like, come on, man. Like this team is already doing so well. Those threes he attempts, like just not going to next year. Don't just don't jack those up. They're, they're nasty looking threes. Well, it's just, they're it's, very, a, very nasty. it's a waste of a possession. I just it really don't understand is. why his team lets him do that. Like, I just don't understand that. I don't either, man. They need to talk about that. <laughs> well, and you know, you look at Atlanta though. I mean, this is a team coming into uh, the game that on Tuesday, they're, you know the Suns are going to be back home. Uh, they've the, it's a team that's worked themselves into the sixth spot, and they're playing really well at, as of as of late. You know they've won. They had a nice little eight game win streak. They lost two. They beat the Warriors. Um, so they're a team that's definitely feeling a lot better ever since they bounced their head coach and added uh, who's uh, Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan's their coach now. So um, you know they're a team that's definitely dangerous. Is this a yeah. team that you think is going to win? Is it gonna be the they Hawks can pull it off? They can get hot. John Collins is really, really freaking good. And they so they they avoided that worth trading him because he's a very confident player on the floor. So keeping that team together was very smart for this year. See how far they can go. Because in the East, who knows? I mean, they can make up ground quick. Yeah, they can be a top four seed if they want to this year, uh, as long as Trey Young's not shooting those nasty threes. But yeah, winning eight out of the last eleven, that's pretty impressive. So who wins, Matthew? Suns. Hmm. What should I do, Jamsters? I feel like this could be an opportunity for me to go ahead and and gain a game on Matthew again. You know, I mean, oh, I don't know. I don't know, man. You know, people in the chat are saying the Suns. Uh, the boogie trends right. He's like they better fucking win. Uh, I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. Um. 
returning home, dude. Booker has his new kid that I was wrong about. Yeah, you were wrong about that. Oh, God. Should I pick the Suns here? I, I, okay, I'm picking the Suns. I'm picking right. the Suns. Okay. Right. I'm just, you, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall for that again because if I do, <laughs> if I do, yeah. I swear to God, it'll just me be sitting alone in my closet alone, just saying this to myself. Fuck. And I ain't got time for that. So you, you oh. and Franklin the turtle, right? He me and, me, me and Franklin my turtle. So, all right. So that there is going to end this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. If you are watching along live on YouTube, please subscribe. Please hit the thumbs up button and please tell your friends. We're getting close to a thousand subscribers and we appreciate that, Jamsters. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Go ahead and leave us a five-star review. And here's some of the recent ones from Valley Boy Ollie. Love the pod. Very laid back and fun, and I'm always tuning in. Definitely a top five Suns podcast. Five stars. Top five. Wow, we cracked well, it. I know. We Very finally cool. got to the top five cool. Suns podcast. That's, that yeah, means a lot thank to us. You. Uh, Corey Watch says, this is the best Suns podcast in the history of all time mm. and space and basketball. Mm. We go, so we went to top, top five. five that's, that's top five. That's okay. in time, space, and basketball. And just a couple of dudes being dudes, always bringing great content and insight into the podcast. And that's from Alex. So again, thank you guys for subscribing on the uh, the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, and I think that's all I got. Um, it's time we have a fantasy ba- uh, baseball draft tonight, so I got to start studying for that. And I yep. have to go to Fry's. So if you guys see me at Fry's, say hi. I'll be wearing this shirt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Everyone, go home and love your family. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great night, and we will see you on Tuesday.